Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozeman. I'm mom to two boys, former middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 29, our fantasy episode. I feel like I should be like, be plain, be plain, boss, be plain. (laughs) (laughs) Only those of you of a certain age will understand that reference. I love that show. That's Fantasy Island. Oh my God. Saturday nights, I would go to Grandma McCarty's and we would double like double feature with some nasty buttered popcorn. First, we would watch Love Boat and yes. then follow it up with Fantasy Island because she didn't care. She thought you stay up late. She was like, whatever. If you stay up late, then you'll sleep later in the morning after we had to watch Lawrence Welk. But you know, it was a small wow. price to pay. That was her. I was like, okay, we can watch Lawrence Welk if you'll let me watch Tattoo. And Mr. Rourke, <laughs> she was always down. She was I was like Julie, Julian. Oh, I know. Love I love boat. Julie too. I still feel like the cruise director, Julie on the love boat. Oh my God. We're going down a rabbit hole. We're I showing know. our age. That's not good. But still it was good. Every so often I'll go, is it cozy? I think it's cozy TV that'll come out. Like it's at the bottom of our, of our channel selector guide. I'll tune in for um, old episodes of fantasy Island and the 19. 19- 80, what, 82 version of Wonder Woman, the Linda Carter oh, Wonder Woman episodes. Oh my gosh, that is And the is Incredible the Hulk. I'll turn those on. And a Colombo <gasps> here and there, but the oh Turk likes gosh. the Colombo too. Wonder Woman with her bracelets. Pew, pew. Oh, she was so awesome. Oh, she was the best. And then also the Incredible Hulk. I just remember like his sad walk at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it always made me cry when I was I little. I know. I always loved it when his when his uh, topsiders would blow out, like when he'd hulk out and his pants would blow out, then his topsiders would blow out. And I was like, that's a lot of shoes. God, he goes through a lot of clothes, especially those shoes, because, you know, those shoes were pricey. Yeah. You know what I have to throw in on that list that you probably didn't watch, but that's Murder, She Wrote. Of course you did. <laughs> and Even my grandma wouldn't watch it. <laughs> oh, I love Murder, She Wrote. And because she was sassy. I was like, she you, was know, you know, we need some good role models. And she was a good See, one. my grandma, I had one grandma that was really old and one grandma that was way too young to be a grandma. And the really old grandma, she's the one that would, you know, like we had to watch Lawrence Welk. But the young grandma, she and I used to kick back with, so like I would have grape juice in her, my big Merlot glass. And she'd have a big old, like big old bread wine, and we would watch Dallas and Knots Landing. And I'm telling you, I knew way more than any nine year old should ever know. It was awesome. We would sit there, put our feet up with our like marabou robes because she was a diva, and we would be watching. I'd be like, I cannot believe Jr. And we would get into some sort of dish about it. I did have a huge crush on Patrick Duffy back then. Oh, Bobby was hot. <laughs> Bobby was dreamy. Jr. was so ugly. Oh God, he was. Although he was very cute on I Dream of Jeannie. Oh, he wasn't my type. <laughs> Too boring old white guy. <laughs> you know, I've never been into those. <laughs> Oh my God. That's why I always thought Lou Ferrigno was cuter than anybody else. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway. So see that, look at that. We went, here's a nice segue. We went right into our little fantasy world just in time. We did. Some did. of the best fantasy, although I have to say Dallas, not so that would probably be pretty realistic in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> probably now it's like the Kardashians. So, so what are we going to talk about this episode? Um, I'm pretty psyched because yeah. I, as you know, and aside from fantasy Island, I'm not a huge fantasy person and I totally 
randomly, like out of the blue, picked my book. And it literally was like an intro to fantasy for those who are not a fan yet. It was brilliant. And I'm so psyched to tell you about it because it's exciting. And it was The Mysterious Disappearance of Aiden S. As Told to His Brother by David Leviathan. And I cannot wait. It's so Uh, good. Yeah, that one kind of combines realistic fiction with fantasy, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like such a thought provoker. Oh, okay. like it. And then, you know, I love me some magic. So I read The Hat Makers by Tansen Merchant. First of all, Tansen, I love that name. The world is so fun. I can't wait to share it with you. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Before we start, though, can I tell you about Steve? I have a new (laughs) friend. Okay. Who's Steve? Okay. So, you know, you know, I have Debbie, the angry turkey. P.S. Debbie, who may or may not have actually been Debbie, but Debbie, the horny turkey that lives in front of my house. Um, The other day, my husband sent me at 7.30 in the morning, sent me a photo from his office doors, the front of his building. And it was Debbie. She was waiting for him. She was literally standing. There was a turkey. Yes. In downtown Boston. She was standing there in front of his office. And I know she was waiting for him. I'm just thinks Debbie's confused and she doesn't get turkey, Turk. You know, I think it's confusing. And I swear to God, my son is like, mom, I'm, I'm sure it's her. I'm sure she like hid underneath the train. And she held on to the bottom because she's really in love with Baba. I'm like, we have given this turkey a very full life. And I'm proud of that. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) But Steve is my new friend. And I, and Steve is this bunny. And every single day for the last month, I swear, or last few weeks, at least, he sits under my front bush. And it's like, he waits for me and he's like looking out, chilling out. And every day I pull in and Steve's there and I can walk right up to this bunny. No one else can, but I can. Cause I'll be like, Hey Steve, what's happening girl. Steve's just hanging out under the bush, waiting for me to come home <laughs> today. My son goes, mom, Steve's out having some lunch. So I went out and I was like, Hey Steve, I swear to God, Steve looks over and twitches his little bunny. And I was like, Hey girl, it's awesome. <laughs> That's how my buddy talks. Hey, girl. (laughs) So so let me get this straight. Debbie's in love with your husband. And Steve is in love with, is having an affair with you. I think Steve loves me. Yeah. He's little though. He's a runty rabbit. He's not a big one. But you know, we have coyotes and everything. And I just want to make sure that Steve is safe. So I feel like I need to go out and like, you know, banish all predators, make sure Steve is good. I put a picture of Steve on our Instagram yesterday and people were down with it. People like him. He's my new man. I saw it. He's really cute. He's kind of brownish tinted. I like him. He's got some big ears, but he does have big ears. That's good. Right. He just looks like he listens. That's what I like about Steve. (laughs) He's got those big years to listen to what I say, which is important because no one in my house listens to me. So when you live with all men, it gets a little tough. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> clearly, clearly I've lost it because I'm now, I'm now formed a friendship with the bunny under my bush, but Steve's a giver. You start fantasizing about the animals around you <laughs> listening to you. <laughs> telling you my husband the other day was like we need to move and I'm like yes we do because we had a big storm and another giant tree fell on our fence and and then we had another big storm and we lost power and our generator didn't work and all this drama and I was like but I would miss all my little woodland friends (laughs) the other day there was like a herd of deer on my on my driveway and my friend was coming over who drives like a bat out of hell up my driveway and I'm like oh my god there's gonna be a crime scene and I go running down the driveway flailing my arms like shh get out of here get out of here get out of here (laughs) my neighbors think I'm nuts oh that's just the woman who talks to the animals in her yard you're like Snow White I am I'm like I'm like Snow White's like punk sister like you know (laughs) like the alternative version 
who's instead of like whispering and singing with the bird with the birds and like cussing at them i think it's fine maybe that's my fantasy book all right there you go the dark side of of snow white angry snow white <laughs> you sons of bitches get out of my yard <laughs> i see hit all over oh, it I think our brains work the same way though, because I remember one time standing in my kitchen, I think it was doing the dishes and I was laughing to myself about something that Joy had said, my dog. She's a talker. Because, okay, so just for people who don't know, since we've gotten our cute little mini Labradoodle, my husband and my son both speak for her in this cute little voice. Oh God. And they've done it for so long that I was literally standing in my kitchen washing dishes going, that joy, she's so witty. She says the funniest (laughs) things. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not like a Disney princess. (laughs) Animals don't talk to me. But they can. Steve can come in and have coffee with me. Why can't you have a conversation with Joy? I might take Steve a Merlot for later. I do put him, when it was hot, I lift him little butts, little things of like water out just in case. I didn't want Steve to dehydrate. No. Did he twitch his little ears? He did. His little nose went a little. Thanks, girl. I think I need help. Oh, God. Good times. Good times. So we already live in fantasy world. So it'll be so we might as well go there. This is so perfect. All right. Maybe we should get started. Please. Debbie, Steve, this is for you. Let's get started. All right, we're going to start off with you this week first, but before we get started, okay, I need you to answer this question or at least like explain this. So explain to me like what defines fantasy as opposed to sci-fi, which I know like sci-fi has the science element to it or whatever, but what about like just non-realistic fiction or like magical realism or something? Like what do you say, like what defines and makes it considered a fantasy book for you as far as you think? Okay. Because you're the nerd here. Let's just clarify. You're the nerd. I'm the nut, but you're the nerd. I'm like, why am I the expert? <laughs> okay. Um, there's some basic things. So fantasy is completely fictional, of course. Um, you have a fictional world that can be based on real myths and folklore that we're familiar with, though, like ogres and witches. Oh, and really? Like so yes. like Percy Jackson is cool. That's still considered fantasy? Still considered fantasy fantasy. I mean, I know we also call that mythology, but it can, it's still considered fantasy. And then like sci-fi is fictional, of course, and it has its own world with its own rules, but it's based, it can, it should be based in real science. So you can take like oh. kernels, kernels of what we know now and you can expand it and guess what might happen in the future. Okay. It's supposed to kind of be based in some reality. Okay. Um, now there, you can blur lines, of course, because there's like science fantasy, which uses science sounding reasons for magical things. And an example of that is like the metachlorines in Star Wars is, is an explanation for the force, but metachlorines uh-huh. are not a real scientific thing. Go on. No, I know, I know. You're I am such sorry. a nerd. Go on, go no. on. Did you play Dungeons and Dragons a lot in the eighties? Would you stop it? You did, didn't you? It's all right. I did. I didn't. I don't even know what that means. But all right, go on. You know how to do RPGs? No. <laughs> Were you a larper? <laughs> I would do that before anything else. But anyway, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. I just had a visual of you larping. It was too much. 
of course I would be a princess. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I would fairy. be an elf. I'd be yeah, an I would elf. say you're an elf. You're totally yeah. an elf. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, I guess the easiest way to think about it is science fiction has science at its center and fantasy has like magic at its center. But you okay. also you also kind of brought up like non-realistic fiction, which that is the opposite of realistic fiction. So well, it's something obviously. that I know, I know, I know, but you know, bear with me here. Okay. It's something that could not happen in real life, but a lot of times things that get classified as that are like alternate histories or impossible technologies, things like that. Like but time travel. Yeah. But obviously these genres can kind of overlap too. I mean, you can mix them. Right. Up and, Which I yeah. think is such a thing right now. Like smashing things together. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, when I find a lot of books, when I was looking for this one, a lot of books talk about gaming, kids oh, that are really into gaming yes. and gamers and stuff. And that's when it gets really muddy because Getting pulled into the world. Of, right. Yeah. But then if they're doing like a call of duty kind of thing versus gaming, well, then it is based in some sort of, you know, Realistic. military realistic fiction i don't know my kid explains these things and i'm like because <laughs> initially honest to god i always thought like oh fantasy you have to have like dragons and princesses and and but you don't really I mean, right? a lot of times that is the case but yeah i mean you can have other kind of fantasies if you had like a science base or a science fantasy you could have it be on another planet but you would just have to use like made up explanations for the science you know or for the right magic. right right so sciencey sounding things but they wouldn't have but they couldn't be based in like our science it's interesting okay my provincial brain needed that because um <laughs> i read a lot of humor <laughs> i've always read a lot of humor and realistic fiction and i'm not a huge like that's what kind of works so well for us like you love fantasy you love historical fiction I'm not a fan of either of those things. I love a good mystery. I love a good, mm. you know, something that's like suspenseful. I, I can sometimes I can get behind magical realism, but I really like like folklore and stuff like that. But I love magical realism. So fun. See, and that's that's like uh, I could take small doses. But the fantasy thing is not my jam. It's just not my jam. But I'm getting there. I'm trying it. I love to try it. I love to try it too because I think that my kids might be into it. My kids like sci-fi and I'm okay with sci-fi because I love science. But I think that like my younger kid might be into more fantasy stuff, but mm. I don't ever expose them to it because I don't like it. Of course, they got into sci-fi because we were big Star Wars dorks. Oh, sure. I love... Yeah. Um, like I love Star Trek. I love all those. I love Doctor Who. And so they've watched these shows with me and therefore they kind of got hooked as well. I'm with you on that. I really like the science elements and the fantasy elements coming together. That's like one of my favorites. Would you prefer, what do you, if you had to choose a genre, fantasy or sci-fi, what, what would you choose? Oh God, that's tough. Um, Probably sci-fi, honestly, because yeah. I feel like you still get the fantasy, but you also get the cool science, which is really fun to exp explore. Yeah. Plus, I, my background with like journalism and nonfiction, I feel like that science base really draws me in. And then the idea of taking that and just letting your imagination go is so cool. I think so, too. I think it's and I, I you can still ground it. You can still see. And that's the thing that I get with with um, fantasy that I, I can't like it's too. I need some sort of grounding. I'm not to that point where I can just like immerse myself into another world. Honest to God, that's why I could never have done any, had any interest in like role-playing games or anything like that. 
Um, so because I could never like give up the control of reality long enough to kind of immerse myself. Buy in into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't yeah, you buy do have into to buy it. In. Um, I do think one of the things about fantasy that can be distracting is the world building. Like some people love all of that where you get all the details of the world and how different it is. Sometimes for me, I get a little bit like, okay, can we just get to the action? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get that. Also, besides like science fantasy or science sci fi, I love um, historical fantasy. Would that, okay, so like steampunk, where'd that fall? I would say that's historical fantasy. Okay. Interesting. Oh, I love the little chats about the concepts behind books. All right. So, um, you let's go on to your book though. Tell us about your book. Okay. I saw this book and you know, I sent it to you because I was like, this looks really cool and it looks girly and you do girly books. And I am on and my own personal mission not to do girl <laughs> books because I'm angry about the fact that every freaking book out there right now for middle grade only has girls in it. So, um, but you chose it, which I think is cool. And dear listeners, if you listened last time, you heard about my awful jobs and my good jobs. And one of those was as a hat maker. So I'm kind of interested. I thought about you. So I want to know. So tell me about it. Tell us about this book. Okay. The Hat Makers by Tamsin Merchant is set in like a fictional version of England where magic is real and making with a capital M things like hats, cloaks, boots, and gloves and watches with magical and enchanted materials is an ancient skill. But oh, it's awesome. Know, it's, it's so good. Okay. This world is so fun. But it's held by specific families that work to clothe the king. Okay. So you have the hat maker family, the glove maker family, the boot maker family, the clock maker family, the cloak maker family. And they all work to clothe the king in the best stuff. And then they also do sell stuff to average citizens on the street, but it's they keep all the best stuff for the king. And they've agreed to do this. All right, cool. The main character is uh, 11-year-old Cordelia Hatmaker. So wait, so their last name is actually like what they do. Yeah. That's 100% how Turkish last names work in real life. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, it's kind of true in, in English names too. Like you have the Miller and Smith, you know, all that. As opposed to Scandinavian names where you're named after your father, like son of so-and-so, daughter of so-and-so. But anyway, not to get on the side. <laughs> yeah, in Ireland, you're all just, everybody's just named after like, you know, the Celtic warlord who settled your land. That's why there's seven gazillions, McCarty's and McCarthy's and Murphy's and because, you know, they were they were very busy. Okay, so 11-year-old Cordelia Hatmaker, who can't wait to be old enough to start making hats like her aunt and uncle and great aunt and her father. Each of her family members have their own special skills, like her aunt shapes the foundation of the hat, her uncle weaves laces and ribbons, her great aunt is an alchemist alchemist, and uh, collects moonlight and enchants gold, and then her father is an explorer who sails the seas in search of rare and unique items for the hats, like fur of a saber-toothed tiger or something like that, just mm-hmm. really crazy stuff that would... And be imbibed with magic. Cordelia's mother died when she was a baby. She was saving her during a storm that sunk their ship because she traveled with Cordelia's father. And she threw baby Cordelia to her father as the ship was going down. So it's like this really dramatic girl jump. Why didn't she jump? She was like stuck and couldn't get out. So she threw the baby. All right. Good on you, sister. It's like the perfect storm. Go on. <laughs> She's like Marky Mark Wahlberg going down with the ship. This story starts with another shipwreck. This 
this time, her father is thought to have drowned on his way back with a special ingredient for the king's hat. And the family has to kind of quickly move past their grief because the king urgently needs a concentration hat. I need one of those too, if that works out. Let me know. <laughs> I know, right? They make confidence hats, peace hats. Anyway, um, it turns out that the king is kind of losing his marvels. He's kind of losing his mind and he needs the hat so he can stop a war with France. He needs to concentrate on stopping a war with France. Well, I have read that France was never that good at war, so a hat would probably do it. <laughs> so a lot is at stake for the family and they need to create this perfect hat to help the king. They present the the king with the hat, something goes wrong and it gets destroyed. And the king is sent away for his health to try to save him. And then his daughter, the princess, takes the throne under the guidance of this lord who's at her side all the time. It's probably a slime ball. Is he a slime ball? Is that shocking to you? Of course. It's always the counselor to the king that's up to no good. Right. And it wants to get the girl and run things. Ugh, yuck. Yeah. No spoilers, though. No spoilers. Okay. So things really start to fall apart when all the main Makers have been asked to make up peace items for the princess that she can wear to negotiate peace with France. And then all the makers are robbed <gasps> two days before the talks. And, and even worse, Cordelia is accused of being the thief. Sketch. I know. It all goes crazy. It's This world is so fun. This sounds fabulous. It's really fun. And they live in this house that has its own magic because they've been making hats there so long that the house will sometimes help them. Oh, it's so cool. It sounds it's like like the the whole book just conjures images in your head constantly. Yes. Just from the things that you're telling me, I can like conjure these really cool, great images. Who wrote this book? Oh, Tamsin Merchant. Yeah, this book is her debut novel oh, nice. and she's pretty young, but she's totally adorable. Oh my gosh. And there's so many awesome lines in this book. One thing her uh, Cordelia's father always tells her is keep wildness in your wits and magic in your fingertips. It's like so cute. Oh, nice. You know, when I used to make hats all they would ever say is just shut up and sew girl <laughs> sitch and bitch that's it that's what they used to say Aww. nobody ever had those great fun sayings <laughs> and her dad like kept telling her everything has magic in it people have just forgot and so one of the lines he says is everybody has their own unique magic but it's up to you to discover what it is you've got to adventure into your own heart and head and belly to find out just what your own special magic is made of that's so sweet. Aww. Now, what'd you say this age group, like high middle grade, low middle grade? What do you think? Um, I'm thinking third to seventh grade. Lower middle? Yeah. Cordelia is only 11 and she uh-huh. felt young, you know, like she seemed young. So I definitely think like a third, fourth, fifth grader would love this story. And it sets it up right at the end for the second book, which is called The Map Makers. Is that out yet or not yet? It's coming? It's coming out in 2022. How exciting. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. It was so fun. And I know there's a girl main character and I know they make hats and all that, but it really didn't feel girly at all. Felt kind of like, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but it felt kind of Harry Potter-ish, to be honest. Like the first Harry Potter. Funny, my book got compared to Harry Potter as well. Well, everything does in fantasy. (laughs) But, you know, especially this is written by a British author, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, it's set in England. Is it a big book? Uh, Yeah, it's like, well, 330 pages. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing I think that about fantasy that a lot of kids kind of get intimidated by if they're not fantasy fans is they're usually huge yeah they are they're like epic books you know and i think that's for some kids it's just too much it's intimidating and for some people like me don't want to read that much either 
I get it, but it's not a hard read. You know what I'm saying? And well, ideally you're going to get lost in the, in the world and that's going to keep you going. That's the whole point. Isn't it? Isn't that kind of the whole point of fantasy yeah. is that you escape into that book? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. Interesting. Did you see anything online? What are people saying about it? It's got really good reviews. Yeah. Really good reviews. So, far, so good. Uh-huh. And the cover is gorgeous. It has a house on the cover, which is awesome. It, you know, the, I, okay. Let's not compare it to Harry Potter. I know what I can compare it to. It compares to Green Glass House. I think it kind of had that. That's vibe. what I was going to say. It yeah. seems to kind of feel like that. And we talked about that in our uh, Christmas holiday episode way back in December. Love, love, love that book. It has kind of got that magical part to that book too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. All right. Sign me up. Send it my way. All right. Send it in my care package with my coffee from the Meyer. Oh, I haven't sent that to you for a while. Oh no, don't worry. I still have some. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> if you ever need Heather to send you something, make sure you only ask for a small amount because she sent me a, and we're looking on two years worth supply of cherry coffee. <laughs> I just wanted an eight, a little, you know, eight ounce bag, but I'm still drinking it. It's still good. Well, good. good. All right. Tell me about your book. It sounds so interesting. It was so good. I really, really like this book. There's a few things about it where I'm like, oh, I wish this would have happened. But yet at the same time, when I looked online, everybody else thought the same thing. They're like, I wish I would have seen this and this. But at the same time, maybe not because this book is, it, it is, it's categorized as fantasy, but it's a more of a mush up. So this is called The Mysterious Disappearance of Aiden S. As told to his brother. And it, it's a 2021 release. It came out in uh, January or February, I believe. And it's by David Leviathan. And and I knew the name was familiar, but I couldn't really place it. David Leviathan is a huge YA author and has had a lot of really famous books that have been turned into films like Nick and Nora's Ultimate Playlist and um, the Dash and Daisy book, the series of books that he co-wrote. And those are all on Netflix, I think. And Will Grayson, Will Grayson and Boy Meets Boy. Um, he was a really huge I don't want to say founder, but the big voice in LGBTQ books in the early 2000s, he's still huge. I mean, he's huge. He's co-authored with Rachel Cohen and John Green. And I mean, he's he's everywhere. But this appears to be his first try at middle grade. Did he make it? Not sure. Still seems a little bit old. Not quite there yet, but such a great book. So you're you saying this is upper middle grade? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the characters seem old. The characters seem like like older in the know, even though they are 11 and 12. But it's a really easy read. I don't know. It's a thinking book. It's a book. I would love to have a book club with this book. Like a bunch of middle schoolers do a book club with this book. It would be epic. So here's the gist. So Aiden goes missing, right? And we start the book and the whole town is out on search parties. He's been missing at this point for six days. The story is told by his brother, Lucas. They're trying to figure out what could have happened. His phone is still there. Was he stolen? Was he abducted? Is he dead? Um, they're dragging the ponds. They're walking the fields. It's just horrible. The police are interviewing him because they think that the brother, they, they're like, well, you're his brother. You know something. Nothing. There is not a sign of this kid anywhere. And then all of a sudden, Aiden appears in the attic with a blue leaf in his hair. And his brother hears him and he goes upstairs and he's like, where did you come from? And he's like, I have no idea. So he pulls this blue leaf out and he tucks it away because he's sure that later on this will like mean something or what is this weird thing. And his brother tells him that what happened was that he went in a very Narnia way. He went through the wardrobe upstairs. He went through the dresser and there was a, a magical fantasy world, basically. And it had green skies. It was sort of utopian. 
they were like these hybrid animals and it's called Avenue. Avenue, I guess, Avenue or Avenue or something like that. So it's sort of like a utopian fantasy land and these animal species are perfect and people don't eat animals and everything tastes wonderful and, and people live in harmony with animals and everything is perfect. And there was a person there named Cordelia and she had come from the human side too years before and she thought it was about a hundred years ago that she had come to Avenue and that she took care of him and he slept on the on the floor of her room and she was a farmer and everybody was happy and everything was perfect and then they've worried that something was going to happen that the outsider he wasn't the only one there was a kid that came from china there was a girl from canada i mean there were other people that had come to this place and he told them when they said where have you gone that's it and his brother was like well were there unicorns and he was like yeah and that was what it took and then no one believed him ah. everybody thought it was a made-up story so the whole premise of the book is like what happens when you come back from this fantasy land and no one will believe you and is it possible that this kind of world can exist on a different dimensional plane that we could go there. They sent him back because they were afraid that humans were bringing a disease that might hurt the animals. So they cut the cord basically and sent him back. And that's the whole thing. This whole book is about like what happens when you come back. There's this really wonder wonderful understanding aunt. There's like one line that says, my aunt used to be my mom's little brother, but now she's my aunt. And then that's it. Aunt Brandy is this super knowledgeable, super understanding. Like it doesn't matter what you can see this like trans kids journey through the way that she talks to people. And it's really interesting because she's like, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's what he believes. It's what he thinks. It doesn't matter if you think it's real. And it was very sort of subtle undertones. It is so interesting though, because the people that were searching for him in such a typical humanity fashion, just turn on them because someone at the police station leaks the information out that he said he was in this fantasy land. And that's how people find out. And then the news trucks show up and all these horrible things start to happen. They're all like, oh, we wasted all these resources. They should have to pay them all back because he was just off, you know, screwing around. He ran away and he's making up these ridiculous stories. You know, and in a way I wanted like to have a scene. Okay, if you don't want to hear spoilers, please fast forward for 30 seconds. But I wanted to have a scene where he we actually went to the place and we saw it and there wasn't one. You never went there. Oh, so as the reader, you're being asked to believe too. Right. You're it's really brilliant. It's you have to choose. Are you going to believe it? Because the only one who believes him is his brother. When they go to pick out the leaf later, it's brown and dead. Oh. So it doesn't hold any proof. The only proof they had is dead and gone. So he has to be able to believe in fantasy. Or is it a fantasy or was it real? Did it actually happen? It's such a like a mind bender. I thought it was awesome. I loved it because you have to believe in the fantasy in order to kind of go along with the story. And you get a lot of elements of this fantasy world, but then you're also being asked to sort of believe, well, maybe it's not fantasy at all. It's reality. Maybe it is reality. Or did he just make this whole thing up? But then his brother, even his brother, who's a year younger, is like, well, sometimes he just made up these stories and he would say these things and he would, you know, get me to believe things that weren't true. Is this just another one of these? And then he 
would see how different his brother was acting since he came through. Like he wouldn't eat because he said like he couldn't eat meat after he met the animals in the other world. And he learned how much pain they went through to be eaten by humans. And it was really cool. It was was a mind bender. It was nothing like I expected. I really thought it would be more like, here we go. We're Aiden is going to tell his brother all about being in this like crazy, mysterious place. Never happened. It's just little chunks. Like before they would go to bed at night, he would say like one thing. And then the whole rest of the story is like fleshing out everything around that. Like his brother trying to believe, is it real or is it not? It was good. It was good. I was, I was sold on it. I have to say (laughs) definitely a page turner. That's cool. And the people, you know, like the criticism was all the same. People were kind of like, I feel like I wanted to go to the fantasy land, but did I? I don't know. Maybe I'm fine with it. I love reading a book that is nothing like what you expect. And this is definitely one of those. You don't even know what genre it really falls in because it just kind of plays with your head. I love that kind of writing. And it's hard to come by, especially in middle grade. Yeah, because, you know, if they can't fit it into a category, they don't right. like it because and you got it. People it expect in. the tropes, yeah. you know, and this has no tropes. Because even like the hero's journey, is it? Is it the hero's right. journey? Like who in whose eyes? Because he doesn't see himself as a hero. Plus, it's from the perspective of the brother, the brother, not the one who went on the adventure. If you were yeah. following the one on the adventure, then you would follow. You would believe it. You would go along, yeah. and it would be the hero's journey. But this is like no, no. This is like somebody trying to watch to see if the hero actually went on the journey. <laughs> But it's interesting because, too, a lot of people complain that they thought that for an 11-year-old that Lucas was too, the brother was too, like, too well thought out and everything. But I felt like when you got to the end of the book and you were kind of finishing, like, things were starting to fall into a different level of falling into place as they moved on with their lives kind of trying to figure out how to deal with this post-disappearance, then it suddenly became clear, like, oh, he's like, they're looking back at this. Like, this is him writing it as an adult or somebody older. That's what I took away from it because it's it's like, okay, that makes sense now because it really felt like at the end that they were both kind of looking back on the whole incident as older teenagers or older young adults or something. And then it made made more sense, but that's cool. Yeah. It's a cool book. Check it out. The Mysterious Disappearance of Aiden S. It's a new one. It's, it's not out in paperback. Even you can get it from your libraries or you can get it from the online bookstores or any bookstores so far, but check it out. It's worth a read. It's definitely worth a read. Well, that's cool. So we had two good ones, huh? We did. Yeah. (laughs) The Hat Makers by Tamsin Merchant and The Mysterious Disappearance of Aiden S. by David Leviathan. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our pick six. We're going to um, talk about six more new fantasy books that came out this year that we thought you might like. So we'll be right back. All right, so since you're the nerd and the fantasy nerd, I mean, we're the nerds, but we're both nerds, but you're like super nerdy. (laughs) Um, Let's give our listeners some other books in this genre that are going to be like in in your to-be-read pile, my to-be-read pile that they might want to put in there. So let's give them a little taste of something good. At the top of my to-be-read pile, of course, is a Green Glass House book that just came out this year. Y'all knew she was going to, if you've been listening, you knew she was going to say this one. (laughs) I follow Kate Milford, so I I know what she's got going on. Uh, the Raconteur's Commonplace Book. And this is by Kate Milford. It's in the Green Glass House story series. This is the fifth book in that series. It came 
out in February of this year. Um, it's another big book, 400 pages. We were just talking know, about that's that. that's hard for me. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> this is recommended for third through seventh graders, which I'm sure that fits. I think it's right on the money. Yeah. yeah. Um, I cannot wait to read it. I love these books. I love the world Kate Milford created. Um, the first book was set in an inn and this one is set in a tavern. So the first one was first book set in the green glass house, which is an inn and it there, everyone's stuck there during a snowstorm. This one is set in a tavern, the blue vein tavern, and they're all stuck inside during a flood. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And the 12 guests are trapped and they include characters like a ship captain, a tattooed twins, a musician, and then there's a young girl who's traveling on her own. And they each start telling stories to help pass the time. Of course, through these stories, they sort of give away some things about themselves, which is similar to what happened in the first book. But then they uh, start to realize they might be in danger of more things than just the flood. Now, in in Green Glass House, they make a lot of reference, the characters in Green Glass House, and then the ghosts of Green Glass House and all of the books of that series make a reference to this book that is they're kind of helping them solve mysteries or whatever. And that is the raconteur's commonplace book. So we've come full circle yeah, here. Yeah. Which is awesome. I think it's great. So now I think we it's get really to cool. read about it. No more about it. Yeah. Now we get to read the book that everybody was talking about for the other, mm-hmm. other books, which is really cool. I think this book will stand on its own too, if you haven't read the others. But of course, if you read the others, it makes it that much better. So I love it. I think it's cool. Yeah. And the characters are really interesting and diverse. Mm-hmm. And all right. What else you got? Um, The other one I picked to share was the Gilded Girl by Alyssa Coleman. Uh, this book came out in April this year. It's historical fantasy, which I had to throw one of those in there. Of course. Uh, it combines two of my favorite things. Um, it's set in New York in 1906. So it's kind of cool, but it has magic in it. That's a cool period. Mm-hmm. It's a r- rarely used period in a lot of stuff. Right. Okay. So this book is about two girls. Uh, there's shy Emma, who's wealthy. Okay. So magic exists in this world. And when you're born, you have a spark of magic, but then you have to learn to kindle it so you don't lose it by the time you're 13. And so Emma was born wealthy and wealthier people were able to kindle their magic and keep it. And then the poorer parts of society are not able to do that. So you have Emma who's wealthy and can educate and can kindle her magic. And then there's Izzy who's a servant girl in her house who dares to try to keep her magic. She She's really talented with magic, but she knows that it should be snuffed out. So she's sort of in danger. So you can only have magic if you're rich. I, I think it's only if you can afford to, yeah, keep it. It's like a college education. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay. Then Emma's father dies and leaving her penniless. And so now she's not wealthy anymore. And she and Izzy strike up a trade. Emma will teach her how to kindle her magic. And Izzy will teach Emma how to survive as a servant. Ah. Oh, interesting. So even though the story is very like typical fantasy with the magic and the two, you know, two girls and they have the hierarchy and all this stuff. I was kind of drawn to it because it was magical community set in the United States, which isn't as common. I mean, a lot of it is usually set in England or set in worlds where there's kingdoms and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Also thought it was really interesting too, because it's not about like a poor person aspiring to be rich, but rather a rich person trying to survive without money. Right. Right. So I thought that sounded really interesting. I thought it sounded like a fun read. And then the last one that I thought sounded really interesting 
Oh my god, I almost picked this book too. <laughs> I had I had to because I love anything Latin American. So Cece Rios and the Desert of Souls by Kayla Rivera sounds so cool. This book is not about witches, but brujas, which are basically witches in Latin America. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, in this world, there are months when powerful spirits roam free and then they threaten humans. Ooh, I, like I know that. it's so I like that. cool. I like that. Also, being a bruja is a terrible crime. But Cece's older sister gets kidnapped by an evil spirit, and so she risks becoming a bruja to save her. It sounds so cool. It came out April 2021. This, again, is a little bit like third, third to seventh grade, so a little bit lower middle grade. It looked like it was probably an easier read, um, but I just thought it sounded so fun. I love a totally different setting. It's in the desert. Yes, I want to read this. We have totally different monsters. It sounded so cool. So anyway, Cece Rios and the Desert of Souls by Kayla R- Riviera, The Gilded Girl by Alyssa Coleman, and The Rock and Tours Commonplace Book by Kate Milford are my three picks. Okay, so what are your three picks? Okay, well, you know me. I have this whole thing about I am so, um, as a boy mom and as an only <laughs> brothers woman I am very frustrated with the publishing industry right now because when you look for any books out there you get about 15 that have girl main characters and you get about one maybe two that have boys so um and that's the reason I picked my book this week because I have boys and I thought this really cool story about brotherhood and it was it was really an awesome story about brotherhood but um so my first one I ordered this book and I was hoping to get it to read for for this episode but it did not arrive in time but I'm keeping this I'm keeping this and I'm going to read it it's called Dragons in a Bag by Zeta Ellie and I cannot wait to read this to my little nugget because because if I have to read one more book about Wayne Gretzky or hockey uh, or anything about the Boston Bruins, I might die. I, I might die. Oh, we read a lot of those too. <laughs> oh my God, I might die. So I feel like this is a good option. It's a lower middle grade book. Um, it's the, There's a two book series. The Dragon Thief just came out in January. Dragons in a Bag is the first one. And it came out a year ago. Um, it's the story of Jackson, who is sent to spend the night with this mean old lady that his mother calls Ma. But he soon finds out that it's not his grandmother, but she's a witch. And the witch needs help delivering baby dragons <gasps> to a magical world where they'll be safe. How fun! Right? And there is two rules when it comes to dragons. Don't ever let them out of the bag and don't feed them anything sweet. It's sort of like, what were they? Don't get them gremlins. Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. So before he knows it, Jackson, his friends, um, Kavita and Vikram have broken the rules. <laughs> and he's got to figure out how to get the baby dragons delivered safe or he's going to get stuck in Brooklyn forever. I love it. <laughs> I think it sounds so awesome. It has gotten rave reviews. Everyone says, like, if you're looking for a lower middle grade fantasy book, this is the one. So I'll keep you posted. And I'm so psyched to read it. So I have a feeling it might be on our holiday list. A lot of the fantasy stuff is lower middle grade that came out this year, which they're obviously are trying yeah, to yeah. fill a void or something. And let's have some boys now next. Let's put some boys in books. Um, this uh, second book is another one that has a main character is a boy, Mickey. And it's called The Antsy Book by uh, Raphael Simon. Um, and this one has been compared to both the Phantom Toll Booth and Coraline, wow. two hot ones that I love. So um, Mickey wants to disappear after his parents divorce and remarriage, remarriages. And it sounds like I had a student that went through this and it sounds like the perfect storm because he ended up getting like his parents divorced. And then he ended up when they remarried, he got 
two stepmothers. So then he ended up with three mothers so far for counting. This happened to a student of mine one time who, who had two moms and those moms got divorced and then they remarried and then he had four moms and then they got divorced, but they were still very invested in him. So that poor child had six moms. That poor thing. He was like, I got too many moms. (laughs) This is just too many moms. So I feel like this is what's happening to Mickey in this book. Um, what he does is he's he decides he's very angry and he decides that he's he sees this ad in a package of chewing gum and it says, Do you ever wish everyone would just go away? Buy the anti book, satisfaction guarantee. So he does, spends his money, orders the book, and when it arrives, it's blank, but it has one instruction and it's to quote, to erase it, write it. So he does. So he fills the pages with all the things and people he doesn't like. And um, the next thing you know, he's wandering around an anti world. No one's there everyone's gone. And I was like, can you send me the book, Mickey? Can you send me the book? But eventually people do start to come back, but they don't come back as themselves. Like his sister reappears, but she's only four inches tall. And the tiny talking house with wings is like his, he's like, oh wait, that's my house. So things start to appear, but they're not what they were before. So, um, and so does this mysterious half invisible boy who thinks that he and Mickey are friends, but Mickey's like, who are you? And the only way that he can put things back in order is to go find the bubblegum king at the top of the mountain and he might be able to fix the mess in the anti-book. It looks fantastic. such a modern fantasy. I love it. It is. I just love it. I love it. Like, I'm just going to draw you all away. I love the concept. I think it's so empowering because, oh, I think my son would love to just draw us all away one day. My little one. He's always like, oh, you people drive me nuts. And I'm like, preach, sister. I think he's just quoting you. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and then my last one, this one is really interesting too. And this is a series of three books that came out between uh, 2018 and 2020. And it's the Arlo Finch series by John August. This is the one that got a lot of comparisons to Harry Potter, but more that they thought it was like more layered, more, more well thought out than Harry Potter. And, um, but it also had a lot of Percy Jackson in it too. The first book is Arlo Finch in the Valley of Fire. And he has moved to Pine Mountain, Colorado. And it's a tiny little village that's got all this mystery and magic and everything. And he, somehow the dark voice forces that are there recognize that there are forces in Arlo, but he just joined a mountain scout troop and he can't quite, he doesn't quite get it because he thinks that these forces that are sort of sensing his magic have something to do with the fact that as the Rangers, that he's become one of the Rangers, they use the wind to harness magic ah. or they harness the wind to do magic. And he thinks he's just like maybe doing something wrong. And it's part of that. <laughs> he finds himself at the center of this huge adventure and this dangerous, you know, of course, like mm-hmm. there's all these obstacles and the test of the foundations of the Rangers vows. And it can he be loyal, brave, kind and true and all these cool things. And I think it looks really cool. cool. Again, because I wanted boys. I think this looks really interesting. It sounds interesting. fantastic. And it's a good boy adventure, doesn't yeah. it? It sounds like a... Another good, like, modern fantasy. I love these modern fantasies that you're finding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm psyched about those. I think they're they're going on my list. I mean, because they're, like, borderline realistic fiction mushed up with fantasy. Which is more my speed. Because I can't go all in on the devils and demons and dragons and whatever. <laughs> but even, like, you know, and I've said it how many times, you know, I'm, we all know I'm an um, Adam Gidlitz junkie, but the Unicorn Rescue Society, they 
they fall into this too. And I love them, mm-hmm. but there's just like, they're these just normal kids mm-hmm. who just happen to find the Jersey devil. And then they, beca- you know, they join the unicorn rescue society. So, and they go finding beasts. And I can, I love that. I love it when you like blend the elements, like yeah. this modern day dorky little kid in New Jersey who suddenly is like finding ancient beasts and protecting them. That's cool. So cool. Wow. Those are some good ones. So yeah, that was a lot of great books in this one. Wow. Let's get your reading on girl. And we'll put all links to all of them in the show notes too, in case you missed any of those, but there, I mean, that's fun. It's funny because there isn't a lot of fantasy that came out this year, but I think that, uh, like I said, a lot of it was lower middle grade and, um, but mm-hmm. still it's there. You can find what you need. And you even found three boy books. So I did. I did. You don't need to pitch a fit. I'm still bitter. <laughs> I'm still bitter. I'm always going to be bitter about this until I see, <laughs> until I see equality. I want as many boy books as there are girl books. I'm not asking that there's more boy books than anything else. I just want to see both. The pendulum swung too far. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that as a boy mom and a teacher. That's what I'm saying. Listen to me. Random House, Scholastic, Harper Collins, all of you out there. Get on. I'm going to Norma Ray on my soapbox <laughs> if you're not careful. I'll send Steve after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a bazillion Percy Jackson books. There are. There are. Bazillion, yes. And I have to say Rick Rudin has cornered the market on all the yeah. boy fantasy characters. But yeah, but we don't we try to avoid doing the obvious books. And so that's why we don't always talk. Well, about I do. I think that's important, though, to say that, too, that we do try to avoid like the big hit bestsellers because there's a lot of really amazing books out there that need recognition and that's what we're here for and you're gonna see those everywhere you go so we're trying to find ones that are a little bit less when 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 you're when they're selling your books at costco you don't need any (laughs) help from us that's all i'm saying (laughs) talking to you wimpy kid just saying all right so what's up for our next episode okay so this is going to be really cool and i'm really really excited and i've already cheated and i started so for our next episode we're trying something fun and new and we're mixing things up a bit and we're reading the the first volume in the mysterious benedict society by trenton lee stewart and then we're watching the mysterious benedict society on disney plus and we're gonna do a little compare and contrast and it's so fun i love the book i love the series so far both of them are holding as far as i've gotten on both of them they've both been holding very true to form so it'll be interesting to see what happens Mm, i can't wait that is gonna be so much fun i know right it's good all right well i guess that's it for this episode so if you've liked what you've heard please leave a review and subscribe and share us we'll love you forever get the word out for us we'd love it thank you so much but if you leave us a bad review i'm sending steve to your house (laughs) and he's a mean bunny he will. He'll look at you with that look that just, oh, maybe I'll send Debbie. Debbie's violent. Say, Debbie the horny turkey is violent. I'll send Debbie. Debbie's like my hitman now. I got to get out of the woods, man. I need a vacation to get back to the city. This is killing me. I literally live 30 miles from Boston. I know. What are you talking about? And this about? is it. I'm, are you kidding me? I live 30 miles from Boston and this is the nature that is like running amok here. Yes. So unless you want Debbie to come to your house, um, join us twice a month. <laughs> Debbie the angry turkey. You can join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions. So please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening and maybe even see pictures of Steve and Debbie and all my little furry friends in my yard, um, you can follow us on TWO Lit Mama's podcast on Instagram, Two Lit Mamas on Facebook, or on our website, www.twolipmamas.com. Enjoy. Right, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.